0: Good morning. Uh, It's wonderful to have Adrian Lane with us today from BCA. So I'm going to invite Adrian to come up now and uh, we'll be showing a video in a moment. Thanks for coming, Adrian.
1: Thanks very much, John, and thank you, Denise, for uh, your welcome and hospitality. It's really good to be here and especially uh, welcome those who are watching online. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name's Adrian Lane and I serve with Bush Church Aid. Who's heard of Bush Church Aid? Oh, a lot of you, that's great, I'm really pleased. And I want to thank you for your support for Bush Church Aid, your prayers, your financial support. Uh, Bush Church Aid's an Anglican mission that's committed to reaching remote, rural and regional Australia, so that they would know that our God is a great big God who holds us in his hands, as we sung just a moment ago. Uh, All over Australia, if you can see here on the map here, all over Australia, each one of those little black dots represents a, a ministry the Bush Church Aid supports on islands such as King Island, Norfolk Island, Kangaroo Island, in mining camps up in northwest Western Australia, um, opal towns like Coober Pedy and Lightning Ridge, agricultural uh, areas, and also on the edge of some of the um, regional cities bishops have asked us to help plant churches where people are moving. In Victoria, up in the Mallee, we support the, uh, the Barclay family at Redcliffs, and they've been particularly busy during the pandemic with the food uh, and uh, community care ministry. And the Morgans at Oyan. they've got a very massive parish there. Over in Echuca, we support Jacob Kelly. He's been the, he's been the trainee minister at Echuca and, and they have been having a, a lot of difficulty in Chuka because the Kellys, for instance, live in Moama and with the border problems they have had to work in Achuka, and then many people in Achuka, including George Hemmings and his kids who were there uh, were, had their, uh, were t- studying at the school over in Moama. Now many of you know George, he used to be on the staff here and George is now uh, working as the Bendigo Youth and Children's Family Ministry Development Officer which means that his role is to try and find champions and train them for youth and children's ministry. We've had a bunch of children here, even on, on COVID. Most churches in the, in the Bendigo area would, would have very little in the Bendigo diocese, would have just one or two kids, if that, and hardly any youth. So please pray for George as he tries to kickstart and encourage parishes uh, in youth and children's ministry. He's also serving as the Archdeacon of Bendigo, uh, and that's a big role. Last, I think it was uh, Monday night before last, he was on a little webinar that Ridley College ran on children's and youth ministry in regional areas. And it was a terrific little webinar uh, that um, uh, Graham Stanton and uh, Christina Kettleton, some of you know Christina, she does a similar role to George in the Diocese of Tasmania. And you can see that on the BCA website. Uh, that video, under if you look under Victoria. Please pray that God would raise up workers and people to serve as ministers in in country Australia. You know we've had a vacancy at Cooper now for a couple of years, and uh, also a vacancy at Cloncurry. There's also vacancies at Longreach, and it, it's it's hard enough to find say doctors to go to the country. It's even hard to find ministers, and. Uh, Yet, in a strange way, um, country Australia is actually growing, not just because of the pandemic, but uh, for all uh, a range of reasons. And in particular, it's growing multiculturally. So, if you go in lots of country Victoria, you'll find the health services are run by um, people who might be new immigrants from South Asia, for instance, the grocery stores by Chinese people, uh, the gas stations, similarly. So, uh, there's a real need for ministers in uh, country. Uh, Australia. So please pray for uh, the God would raise up workers. Thank you for supporting us financially, and then I'd also ask that you'd pray that even from amongst your own people here at uh, at Burwood, that people from even from you here might actually go and serve like George. And we're gonna show a little video that was produced for our centenary. It's a couple of years old, but what you'll notice in the centenary video, it compares what we've been doing over 100 years with what we're doing now. So thanks very much.
2: Monday, the 26th of May, 1919. It was a cold, wet night in Sydney. But that didn't stop a small group of clergy and laity from gathering at St Andrew's Cathedral to pray for and plan a new, bold and uncertain venture. They had a vision for gospel work that would send men and women to minister in the most remote parts of Australia. But they were not to know that the birth of the Bush Church Aid Society that wintry night would result in thousands of people hearing the good news about Jesus on railway tracks, in forests, underground, in hospital, through the mail, in bush homes and in tiny churches in every state and the Northern Territory. They could not know the number of lives that would be saved by faithful doctors, nurses and bush pilots. They could not know that well-educated children would rise up to face the challenges of the 20th century because they were given a home by the Bush Church Aid Society. They were not to know that no one would ever be able to count the number of people who responded to the gospel of Jesus because of a gently spoken word, a godly example, or a church service held in the bush. 100 years later, BCA continues to work with new ways of reaching people wherever they are. They're planting churches in new deserts, the ones on the edges of big cities. BCA is supporting ministry by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. They're committed to working with the First Peoples so that they can serve Christ in ways that are biblically faithful and culturally appropriate. BCA continues in a commitment of serving hurting people in times of crisis and through Christ-centered pastoral care. And of course, there's still the talking to people one-to-one about the gospel of Jesus. It's been a century of change. It's been a century of work. It's been a century of serving Jesus in remote and rural Australia. And in 2019, the Bush Church Aid Society is still going the distance.
1: Well, obviously we're a couple of years older now, but uh, hopefully you'll uh, enjoy that uh, video. It gives you a bit of an idea of what we've been doing. When you came in, I hope you got a show bag. We've got plenty of them there. Um, you'll find a couple of our quarterly magazines there, uh, The Real Australian, which uh, is really exciting, what God's doing in the bush. Um, also, what really keeps us going are our quarterly prayer notes. And I re- want to thank those who regularly pray for us. I'm on day 13 and always on day 13, it's like having a birthday, always good things happen. If you dig deep enough, you'll find a cool little eucalyptus pencil uh, with a card on it and if you'd like to be on our mailing list, either electronically or by post, just fill out your details there. There's a donations box on the table just next to where you checked in, hopefully, and just put your card in there and we'll add you to the mailing list. One thing I've been doing is I've been writing prayer notes for our regional municipalities in Victoria. And uh, I've just put one of them in in your bag randomly. My own people come from Maryborough and Warrnambool, and so I've been praying for them for some time. And uh, uh, this one here has um, Central Goldfields, there you go. That's Maryborough, so that's great. And uh, if you've got a link to uh, to regional Victoria in some way, you may go on holidays. You may have kids working there or you yourself might have worked there. You may have an investment there, been born there. Can I encourage you to pray for uh, the area you're from? I've got a copy of each of those uh, uh, prayer notes for each uh, municipality also out there on the table. Thanks a lot for having us. It's good to be here.
0: morning everybody. The reading this morning is from Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 35. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everyone? And the Lord said, who then is faithful and prudent manager whom his master will put in charge of his slaves to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and if he begins to beat the other slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. That slave who knew what his master wanted but did not prepare himself or do what was wanted will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what was deserved a beating will receive a light beating. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thanks very much, Judy. Well, we're um, looking at Luke chapter 12. And so if you've got a a Bible handy, particularly those at home may like to look up a Bible uh, at Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 35. And if you've got a Bible handy here, I notice that they put the Bible stay in the uh, library over there. That's not a very good... uh, Habit, John, there. I think it would be better if we'd give them out. Anyway. <laughs> old COVID restrictions. I beg your pardon. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're doing the right thing. I beg your pardon. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> well, let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we thank you so much for the Bible and the way you speak to us through it. And we pray that you'd open our eyes to understand what you're saying to us today and move our hearts to respond in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I'd like to speak about a very important subject and one that's actually in the midst of COVID is often forgotten in the busyness of our lives and frankly, just in terms of surviving. Uh, And that is the Lord's return. And even at Advent later in the year, when we remember Jesus' two comings, we often just think about his first coming, don't we? Because Christmas is obviously a terrific time But his second coming actually ought to affect every aspect of our daily lives, especially in a situation like a pandemic, our thoughts, how we spend our money, our motivations, everything. And indeed, Jesus' return puts the pandemic in perspective and it helps us to respond to it. Well, our passage today in Luke 12 begins with a very strong command in verse 35. Be dressed, ready. Keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and docks, they can immediately open the door for him. Well, who are these servants And who is this master? And is there any significance in the fact that he's coming from a wedding banquet? If we stand back a little bit and look at the bigger picture, we find that Jesus here is teaching his disciples, but they're in the context of a crowd that's pressing in on them. In fact, they're trampling on one another. And in this context, Jesus speaks first to the disciples with the crowd listening in so that all of them are prepared for what's going to happen in the future. And Jesus commands his disciples to be dressed, ready for service. Like men waiting for their master to return. And what will he do? It'll be good for those servants who keep watch. Even if he comes very late, even if he comes early in the morning. So that when he comes they can immediately open the door for him. And what will he do? I don't know if you've ever returned home from a long trip, uh, not not in the recent memory unfortunately, but maybe from overseas or from holidays interstate and you've been delayed, your plane's been late or the kids have been sick or something and somebody's meant to be waiting up for you to check that everything's okay. But when you get home the place is pitch dark and you knock on the door, and nothing happens, so you knock a bit louder. Nothing happens, so then you begin to move around the house, knocking on the windows. And eventually a light comes on, and someone with tousled hair and rapidly donned shorts and bleary eyes oh, we thought you weren't coming. We were expecting you much earlier. Place is cold, somebody else's mess is everywhere, nothing's in the fridge. I tell you, it'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night and what will he do? you know those servants had the fire stoked there was food in the fridge beds were freshly made with crisp linen plenty of hot water for a wash and the servants were dressed smart and clean ready to welcome their master ready to look after him They were dressed, ready for service, and they kept a lookout, so that when he knocked, they immediately opened the door for him, and what does he do? In a stunning role reversal, he takes off his travelling gear and puts on the clothes of a servant, and he tells his servants to sit down and relax, and he begins to wait on them. And inasmuch as they were ready for him, he's now ready to serve them. Now, that's extraordinary, isn't it? It's absolutely unheard of. It's an extraordinary thing for a master to do when he comes back tired from a major function. But what a wonderful and wonderfully surprising act for those faithful servants who sit amazed. So be Ready. Well, Jesus then slips into a second parable almost without us knowing it in this little collection of three parables about his return. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time the thief was coming, he wouldn't have let his house be broken into. Duh! You must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Thieves come, obviously, at a time when you don't expect them. If you knew they were coming, you'd be there with the police, wouldn't you? Like Frederick in uh, Pirates of Pan's Ants. Thieves come when you least expect them. You might have just dropped out for some milk or some bread that you've run out of, or take the kids to school or childcare, and you get back, the door's open, and you've been robbed. So it's a very strange little parable, list because Jesus is talking about thieves and how do you prepare for thieves? Do you just pretend they'll never come? Some people do and they get burnt as a result. But if you've been robbed a few times and if you've lost uh, something that's valuable to you or uh, something that's emotionally important to you, you train yourself in habits and disciplines, don't you? You always presume thieves will be coming any time, every time. You always lock the house. You always lock the windows. You never leave anything valuable in sight, in the car, for instance. I live in an apartment block and I had a friend staying with me and uh, I wasn't there at the time. He was in the shower, he came out, his computer and wallet had gone. I said, Sam, why didn't you lock the door? He said, lock the door, I'm in the house. I said, even when I go out for the garbage, take the garbage out, I lock the door. Thieves come when you least expect them. You never let your guard drop. Because you know you may be visited any time. Be ready. Just the same, the son of man will come at a time when you least expect him, even during a pandemic. So get into the right habits and disciplines. That's the way you'll stay safe. Never let your guard drop. Because you know you might be visited at any time. Peter then says to Jesus, no doubt looking at the crowd around him, Lord, are you saying this for us or for them? And by way of an answer, Jesus actually moves into a third parable. Who then, Jesus says, is the wise and faithful manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It'll be good for that servant, whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Indeed, it'll be so good that the master will put him in charge of all his possessions. Because of his faithfulness, the master will put this manager in charge of all his possessions. The master completely trusts him, He invites him into his inner circle, privileged and honoured. On the other hand, let's imagine that this manager says to himself, oh, my master seems to be a long time coming. I'm not even sure he's going to get back. Maybe he's died or gotten sick. And so instead of caring for his master's servants, begins to get a little slack, a little bossy, a little self-important, you know, and instead of carefully sharing out the produce of the farm so that everybody has their fair share of food, he begins to fill himself a little bit more and drink a little bit more and throw his weight around a little bit more and boss the other servants around a little bit more. I mean, who's to stop him, you know, but then suddenly there's his master. And this manager is caught with his pants down in the middle of the fracas, taking liberties, drunk. And the master has no mercy. He trusted this manager. He put him in charge of his other servants. And no doubt with that responsibility, there came privileges. But what has this manager done with those privileges? He's abused them badly and he's usurped the master's role. No longer is the household being managed well. No longer are the servants being fed properly. No longer are they safe. And the master's house has been brought into great disrepute by this unfaithful manager. There's to be no second chance for this manager. He's already evidenced his character. The master wants nothing to do with him and he chucks him out. Indeed, he cuts him to pieces and throws him out with the And Jesus goes on to say that the extent of our final judgment depends on what we've been given and what we've done with it. If we clearly know the master's will, and and I think actually that each of us have been entrusted with much indeed like this manager was, disobedience will clearly lead to destruction and a final place far outside the master's house. Because from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Well, are these parables for the disciples or for the crowd? Because they're a very severe warning, aren't they? Both for those who know the Master's business and for those who've been asked, especially for those who've been asked by the Master to care for his servants while they're away. In the first instance, of course, they're for the disciples. But we too are now his disciples and we know the master's business. 2,000 years on, we've seen Pentecost, we've seen the gospel go out, we know what the Lord's on about. It's about extending the, his kingdom into the rest of the world. And for those of us who are pastors, we have been, or Christian leaders in some way, those who lead a Bible study group, for instance, indeed parents, We've been asked by the Master to care for his servants, his disciples, while he's away. Now it does seem like Jesus has been away a long time, I grant that. But that's because he wants everyone to know about him and for everyone to put their trust in him. That's what BCAs is on about. But he will be back and he'll be back when we least expect it. So have you heard the point from these three parables? What's the word for the servants in the first parable? Be ready. Keep watch. What's the word for the owner of the house in the second parable? Be ready. Stay alert. And what's the word for the manager in the third parable? Be ready. Look after those under your care. So are we ready? Would you and I be characterised as people who are ready and looking forward to the Lord's return? You know, in many households, including the one I grew up, grew up in, there was a frantic scramble when anyone came to the door as a visitor. You know, oh, quick, get those clothes off the floor there. Is the bathroom presentable? You know, hey, um, just get rid of those dishes there, can you? When the Lord returns, it'll be too late for that mad scramble. We'll either be ready or we won't. Will you be dressed ready for service in the robe of righteousness that only Christ can give? Will you be holding out the lamp of Christ in a dark and sinful world? Or will you be looking after number one, disdainful of the master's people and the master's property, usurping his role, frankly, Because before you know it, you'll be robbed of everything you hold dear. You'll be cut to pieces and assigned a place with unbelievers. Because from everyone who's been given much, much more will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. But for those of us who are ready, there's an amazing promise here, isn't there? from the master who's just come from a wedding banquet. Indeed, he's come from a wedding banquet because he's preparing a wedding banquet that that's, we're all going to be invited to, all those who follow him. And he will wait on us, he will wait on us. And more than that, those of us who have faithfully cared for his servants will now steward joyfully all the master's possessions. That's amazing and incredible, isn't it? Are You ready? Shall we pray? Lord God, as we come before you, these words that we read in your word today are sober and serious and very grave. We pray that in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our unsettledness with the pandemic, You would help us to be focused on being your servants day by day, seeking to serve you each day with the tasks you give us, the good works you plan for us to do. And may, Heavenly Father, we be ready for your return. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.